Confessing should be easy. Hi, and welcome back to Investing Should Be Easy. I'm your host, Alex Richwagon, and tonight is a really special episode. Tonight we are celebrating episode number 50 on Investing Should Be Easy, so uh, very excited about that. We've got a lot of continuity going on, and hopefully it's helping a lot of our folks out there with good education and good understanding around the markets, the economy, and um, what to do right now. And um, that's what today's show is going to be about. It's going to be a little bit of overview for the rest of this year. It's going to be We're going to go into three different topics around um, the Fed rate was just lowered, stock buybacks continue to keep going an all-time high, a little bit of an outlook for the rest of the year, and more importantly, like a little bit of a learning segment on two stocks I got right in 2019 and two stocks I got wrong, what happened, why those things happened, and what what exactly can we take away, what exactly can I learn from these events. Um, you guys have any questions or comments, feedback, alex.richwagon at gmail.com. That's alex.richwagon at gmail.com. So again, top of the show, um, you're listening to Investing Should Be Easy. I'm your host, Alex Richwagon, author of a few books, most notably Investing Should Be Easy, can be found on Amazon. And what we want to talk about tonight is a couple different topics, and they're all intertwined together on what does this all mean? Um, how does it Im- get impacted by the Fed, who is somewhat being manipulated by the president, and also how does that relate to stark buybacks? Um, how does it relate to outlook for the rest of the year? And what do we what do we start to do going forward now that we've hit more than the midway point as we get into August first um, tomorrow, twenty nineteen? So the first one off the top of the heap of our our show, the Fed for the first time in eleven years decided to lower interest rates. So what does that mean? How does it impact you, the everyday consumer? How does it impact the economy? How does it impact your portfolio? Now, I'm not an economist by any stretch of means. However, from an analyst perspective, I do have a good read on what's going on and what, what this could possibly do around your portfolio. So what does it mean both short-term, long-term? And the first thing that comes to mind is because when there's a lower Fed rate, that means banks and places that you want to go borrow money. You want to go buy a new car. You want to go buy a new house. You need to have a financial institution finance that loan. And what it means for them is their spread just got shrunk. So if they're lowering their float or what do you mean the money that has made borrowing on rates. So if you're paying, well, let's just call it 3.5% for a mortgage the bank is making a spread on your money every single time. It's good for home buyers, it's good for the end consumer, but it's bad from a, it could have a negative impact for our financials. And by financials, I mean bank stocks, um, things like JP Morgan Chase, uh, Wells Fargo, um, et cetera, et cetera, could help, Again, home buyers and people that are looking for loans at a lower interest rate, it helps with that. But from a stock perspective, it could be troublesome. It could also, and you know, this word keeps getting brought up in a lot of news outlets, is the word recession. Now, before you get all worked up and what is a recession and what does it mean, 
it's not the end of the world. It could mean a pullback. It could mean a couple of things. The actual definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, GDP growth, um, gross domestic product, where they take a lot of factors and they say, is the entire economy growing or slowing? And it's a slowing factor for two consecutive quarters. And if it rebounds in the third, guess what? The recession is ending at that point in time. So in the grand scheme of things, a recession could last six months and then bounce back and be just fine. But this is a way, um, a lower Fed rate, to help move the possible recession outlook further up, meaning the Fed could be trying to restrict or limit the possible recession because the ease on money, it acts as a stimulus, putting more money into the economy it thinks about the, the effects, the borrowing fundamentals, helps banks lend more at a lower spread, um, and it kind of works together in those two cycles. So again, long-term perspective, maybe not the best incentive, but will help um, a president who knows that in the long-term cycle of presidents trying to get reelected, it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy to, if the economy is going good, it's a really good sign of getting reelected. Um, ask Bill Clinton in 1996. Ask previous presidents that got reelected, uh, Obama, um, whenever, when he was uh, getting reelected in what, um, 2012. So those, time, those times always help your reelection bid. Um, so that's kind of like where the Fed rate means, like what does it mean for the everyday consumer? It can help you, but then long term, um, it can just push out the possible recession and what that means. So something to keep an eye on for because this is going to come up later in the show and more importantly, later in the year um, as we trend into 2020. And what does the Fed do again once they look at the um, interest rates? Second topic that we want to hit on tonight is stock buybacks. I've talked about this in a previous show. And I, I thought it was interesting of something I was reading about um, why stock buybacks matter as far as an education piece. Stock buybacks are great for short term, bad for long term. And why do I talk about that? So if you're investing in any company, we'll just pick one out of the blue. So if you've got um, an Amazon out there and they're buying back their stock, so they're taking free cash flow that could be used to pay dividends, could be used to invest in um, expanding into more data centers, expanding their um, reach with um, Amazon Web Services, like investing into the product, investing into consumers, they could lower the Amazon Prime rate from $110 down to $120 down to $110. They could reward their consumers, but just buying their stock, which Buying the stock, what it does, it limits the shares outstanding, which then increases the stock price because there's less um, shares and adding more value to the existing share lot. So really simple. If you've got, and I'll use the example, this isn't how many shares they have, but let's say there's um, you know, $10,000 and that represents 100 shares. Well, if the company says, you know what, we're going to buy 10 of those shares, guess what? Now the amount of money divided by 90 shares, if they bought 10 back, makes those 90 shares more valuable in the open market. And that's what helps um, consumers. That's what I mean by good for short term, bad for long term. It means they're not investing into 
future projects. They're not investing into the future growth of the company. And how do they stay ahead of the curve? How do they keep up with their trends? That's a that's a big deal. And where that kind of gets it shows up even further is um, a ratio that I've talked about um, several times on this podcast. Is it's called a um, price to earnings ratio. Historically, the price to earnings ratio on the S and P 500, which is a collection of the top um, 500 stocks in the U.S. market, is um, around 15 in the teens, 15, 16, if you will. Currently, we're at 22 and a half. That's a pretty significant increase, and it means that stocks are priced high. But same same capacity, what can you do? You've got a lower Fed rate, meaning savers can't you know earn a lot of spread in a savings account because again that Fed rate gets lower, the spread on lending gets thinner. So what do you do with the rest of your portfolio? Um, right now, the current stock buyback for 2019, the, um, the estimated uh, projection is just under a trillion dollars, which will be the highest in U.S. history. Um, case in point, yes, a lot of companies are at all-time highs, and the stock market, again, keeps hitting all-time highs. But it's got to stop at some point. So all these were at all-time highs, lower Fed rate, trying to keep the short term, helps with the current economy as a scale. Is that is that best for long-term perspective? I don't think so. Um, from everything that I read and listen to, everything points to it's not. So what do we do? Talked about two important topics around the Fed rate got lowered. Will that signal future Fed rate cuts? Is that really needed? Is it necessary? So that's a question that we kind of got an answer. And then the second one is around stock buybacks at an all-time high of like, we're chugging along at a pretty significant pace and the same token companies are continually pummeling more money and neglecting long-term growth opportunities which is really really important companies like amazon don't do that and a lot of companies like apple i think apple's on record to buy back 75 billion this year of their own stock those are all short-term strategies What's going to happen in the next two to three years? There's got to be, everything points to a recession at some point. So as, as we shift, as we look forward to the rest of 2019 and then into 2020, and again, some of this could change. Obviously, earnings cycle is, um, we hit, we hit the, the ramp up in Q4 as we get into the Christmas rally and in Q1 when a lot of consumers go out and spend, spend, spend. And that's a huge jolt of when we get into, um, we bypass Black Friday and get into the the black being in the red for so long. Being in the red means that we're not earning money in the retail center or sector. But outlook for the rest of the year is um, the things that I'm doing and working on is um, start, given the fact that our Price earnings ratio is really high, 22 and a half, um, against a historical ratio of 15 to 16. Um, talking about a pretty expensive jump um, over that period of time. It's not not removing a lot of money. You want to leave some money on the t- on the side for cash, maybe something in the neighborhood of like 10% plus, 
um, from when you see drops or when you see opportunities. But start shifting money into to value, into dividends, to lower risk or lower beta for my, my beta folks out there. Um, beta is a measure of risk. Um, they are used pretty inversely. And stop really putting more money into growth opportunities and growth sectors because as as the companies are doing these buybacks and they're they're changing the strategies that's why i'm adjusting because all these signals so or point to a slower economy that we're trying to pent up on falsified demand we're not growing for long term we're growing for short term and it 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 can only mean a slowdown at some point and a reset or a correction, which isn't the worst thing in the world. If all the stock market went down 10, 15% tomorrow, you'd have high, really good buying opportunities. We had this, we had this happen in May. It's like 15, 20% correction. I sit here and pounded the table and said, it's Christmas in May. Buy these opportunities. You're not going to see them again for months. When you do see them, pounce on it. It's really important. So how do we shift? How do we do that? A couple shows ago, I talked about a 401k portfolio. And if you want to go even further, um, I, I talk about this in the mock portfolio section in my book on investing should be easy. On really easy to set up um, ETFs, exchange traded funds, which are mutual funds, best lo better looking cousin. On, on what do you invest in and how do you spread out into a very diversified portfolio that's not going to hurt you long term. Um, either one of those are fine. You can go find the free show or if you want to read more and listen to the, go the book, go pick up the book on Amazon. Either one of those will point you in the right direction of saying start going into lower value ETFs or look up, lower, or look up value ETFs. Fidelity and Vanguard have great, great products. That you can start shifting your money there and start adding your prints, your your money into there as you can earn earn some capital appreciation, a little bit of dividends, and add some safety. So that's what I think we should do over the next um, going forward, the rest of 2019 into 2020. And the one thing that is your caveat that we cannot predict for is how the election is going to go. We've got a president elect that he's going to run again, President Trump, and he's got a collection of folks on the Democrats' party that's going to try to unseat him. That all has the, if anything changes there, all bets are off, and we got to revisit and figure out how do we adjust again. But that's that's what I'm planning for. Um, my dad always taught me to plan for six months in advance, so that's how I'm looking at it, and that's what I wanted to share tonight um, across those two topics. I did talk about one more topic we're going to hit on at the top of the show, and I didn't forget about that. And I want to call this the learning segment on stocks that I got right and stocks that I got wrong. And I don't always share all of my picks on the show. Um, so we're going to talk about two that I got right and two that I got wrong. And where these ideas came from, what was the learning aspect from it? So let's start off with the two that I got right. One of which I gave away in the show, which is um, Steel Dynamics. 
Steel Dynamics is a leading manufacturer for steel. It's an American-based company. And as the threat of tariffs have started to subside, the stock was trading in the mid-20s. Now it's over 32. So you've got a seven-point increase. You've got a, a, you know, a healthy 20% increase over the past couple months. And that was a free pick that I just gave out of something that I follow and something I think is worth taking a look at. Um, that's an easy 15, 20% that you could have made depending on what your entry level is. And the reason why, you know, you look back and why you got it right. Well, it was depressed. They were caught up in the trade tariff war. They still kind of are, but it's made its way out of it. They're in a, they pay a dividend. It's in a low price to earnings ratio. The company has good cash flow. They're not overly leveraged. All their fundamentals kind of check out. It's just getting caught up in a macro economy piece that isn't really in their control. So that was, that was an easy one. Um, next one is um, one that I have not talked about on the show. Is, um, it's called Teradyne. Teradyne um, stock symbol is T-E-R. And Teradyne uh, year-to-date isn't, again, something that I gave out on the show. It it's came from one of my paid research. I had um, read about it in uh, Fortune magazine, and then I got into a little bit deeper on you know, what does Teradyne do? Um, where is their, you know, where are they making money? Um, as far as um, the company overall, they they sell and support um, automatic test equipment. So semiconductors, automation, things that a lot of companies are like, they're connected in a lot of different ways into um, manufacturing, if you will. And then also into um, testing platforms to talk about like you know semiconductor devices there's a lot of technical stuff that they do but again checked a lot of the boxes on what kind of business models we wanted to see a lot of the fundamental analysis came back nice and clean i think last week they had a 20 percent pop um again year to date about up 35 percent great victory um in the portfolio right there so those are Two winners, um, Teradyne year-to-date, 35%, and Steel Dynamics the last uh, two to three months I gave out on the show up about 20% plus. And and, uh, the way I find these ideas, it comes from multitude. It could come from running stock screens and then running fundamental analysis on it, finding out what their future growth rate is, what's the business model. A lot of research goes into it on understanding the industry, the sector, and how does it compare against its uh, competitors, and then also paid research. Um, I'm not immune to it. I, I like to get different ideas, um, compare them to my ideas, and then also throw them all together and say, what comes out? What are the things that I like about this idea, and how is it better than another idea? And if I find that out, guess what? My, my uh, pride, which is non-existent on this subject, goes out the window, and I just look to tr- put my money into the best ideas possible. So those are two that I got right and I felt really, really good about. Um, now let's talk about the other side of the equation. Two that I got wrong. And 
what what went wrong and what did I learn from them? So first one is um, and this is another this is a free pick. So this again, if you did both of them, you're probably like going, yeah, that was great. This one, but this one not so much there, Alex. And again, I I'll take it on the chin. Uh, this isn't something that I take lightly, and I want to see either my portfolio, put my own skin in the game, um, you know, lose money or anybody else to lose money. This was um. So GTT Communications, um, their sectors and communication services, they've got a um, service-based model. They offer cloud solutions with a lot, both, there's, they have both um, exposure to government um, customers in the United States, Europe, international, and they offer those technical solutions that, but guess what? The company year-to-date, Wow. I mean, they were trading at, in the mid-20s. We're down 50% year-to-date. And then I thought the bleeding was out. They had a bad um, conference call and quarter that they kind of changed their outlook. And what's funny about, you know, kind of like you think about what the grand scheme is, like, why did you get those ones right and you got this one's wrong? Fundamental analysis is going to show you opportunities. What is hard to read within line is... When they've got concerns over their future sales growth, what's driving that demand, getting involved, listening to the conference calls, doing a little bit more research. If there's leadership concerns around why they're changing directions, they don't explain that too well. When they change their future prospects of the company, you can't read that on a fundamental analysis balance sheet. You can only read that they've got great future growth prospects, everything else checks off. They're healthy. They were making money. They actually beat their previous year's estimates and earnings. But that doesn't matter. Because then if you say offering weak guidance, you're always what you're getting judged on is your future-looking guidance and how, how did you perform against your guidance, and then what's your future guidance. Like That's what you're getting judged on all the time in Wall Street. That's really hard to see. But again, if I could got in front of it earlier and not recommend it, I'd do it in a heartbeat. The other one that I didn't um, really bring up on the show, which is another one, is um, Pivotal Software. Pivotal Software has been a darling. Um, back in uh, mid-2018, the stock was trading in the um, just under $30 a share. And... It's something that I read about their business model. Um, again, this one came from paid research and kind of put me onto it. They um, they offer cloud-based um, services. United States is a service-based model where they try to get customers on board to their software development. And what they're really doing is they try to offer a lot of different services to make customers accelerate their adoption to software development. A lot of information that they're doing in there and they've got a good pipeline of customers but again the same thing happened that passed all of the fundamental analysis and what their stock should be trading at but their their company their future outlook just fell apart stocks down 50% year-to-date another one two of them taking it on the chin a lot of great ideas that I put in my portfolio there but you know these ones these other risks, and these aren't that risky, but you put some risk out there of a smaller cat company is how do you adjust, what do you do, 
and you scale into positions. You don't take a big position. So if you want to have a $5,000, $10,000 position, scale in on a time. That's how you, that's, that's an approach that works time and time again because you're going to average out that risk in them over time. So again, follow the same exact approach. And I follow the same approach all the time. But I have adjustments and I try to tweak the strategy and how you get into different stocks. Sometimes you get you get a bad card. You get a bad management team. And those are things that are really hard to figure out um, until it kind of starts to crash a little bit. Um, so that's what I wanted to hit on tonight. I thought it was important to address future-looking economy, what to expect the rest of the year, and then some stocks that I got right and some that I got wrong. And what am I learning from those experiences as I wanted to keep sharing with you and coming back and say, this isn't like a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, this is something that's a long-term strategy that's going to take years and years to perfect and really get it, not right, but just to be right enough in order to keep growing your portfolio to give your family the kind of financial security that you're looking for. Well, that's tonight's show, episode number 50 in the books. So proud of that effort. Really hope um, this is helping you guys out there. Um, feel free to send me questions, comments, alex.richwagon at gmail.com. That's alex.richwagon at gmail.com. And uh, look forward to uh, episode number 51 as we get up to number 100 um, sometime next year. Hope you guys have a great evening. And uh, as we move into August and welcome in the new football season, look forward to talking to you guys soon. Have a good night. Bye. Alex Richwagon is an investment research analyst. Any of his recommendations are that of Mr. Richwagon. The information presented is the opinion of his and only his research. You should not base your investment decision based solely on his opinion. Remember, it's your money and your responsibility.